Tavis Smiley, delighted to have you with us in this hour. I cannot wait for tomorrow when uh, Ariva Martin's new show commences at 4 p.m. Ariva Martin in real time and uh, excited about Les Brown beginning his one-month radio residency tomorrow. Again, his show will uh, be live at 11 a.m. every day and repeat at 6 p.m. So you got a great uh, three-hour uh, afternoon drive. Ariva Martin, 4 to 6. Les Brown uh, repeats at 6 from 6 to 7. Uh, but he uh, is live every morning at 11 a.m. first. So it's going to be a great day tomorrow uh, here at uh, KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, yesterday, President Biden informed Congress that he will end the COVID-19 national emergency and public health emergency on May 11th. What implications will this decision have? Will booster shots still be needed? What about the different variants? Uh, so many questions. Thankfully, our resident physician, Dr. Robert Drummond, always has the answers. He joins us right now, and I am delighted, as always, to have him back on this program. Dr. Drummond, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing the best I can. If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I- I'm-, I'm laughing sort of internally because, uh, maybe not laughing, maybe laughing is the wrong word, but I'm, I'm somewhat tickled by it because um, I can always tell when, when things are s- slowing down in this COVID-19 uh uh, drama, and I say that because while there are a thousand other things that you and I could talk about, mostly what we talk about uh, is the journey uh, that we've been on trying to navigate uh, the world in which we live now, uh, impacted by COVID-19, and we, we're not talking as frequently as we used to. How should I read that? I think that's a good thing, although I will <laughs> say I'd like to talk about other things when it just comes to health and maintaining health sure. outside of COVID, so we've got to make sure we do a better job of that. I've got to do a better job of that. But uh, the fact that we aren't talking about COVID every couple of weeks, I actually think is a good thing. And we're getting closer to that point that I think I've mentioned in the past that we're going to get a really everyone accepting and understanding kind of what the new normal is going to be. I'm looking at J.D., my producer. J.D., you heard Dr. Drummond say he wants to talk about other stuff uh, beyond COVID-19. So we will start scheduling Dr. Drummond a little more regularly around here. Uh, He is um, an excellent physician, uh, research physician, uh, concierge physician, does a little bit of everything. Uh, And so we have been uh, talking to him pretty regularly for the last um, uh, couple of years about COVID-19. But we will expand his palate uh, and let him do some other stuff uh, because uh, it's it's always good to hear from a professional of his standing and his ilk and the respect that he has in the industry uh, to in, uh, in empower us with stuff that we need to be aware of. But today, once again, we're talking about COVID-19, specifically the announcement that President Biden made yesterday. So let me start with the obvious. What did you make of his comments? Well, I, I think that we were eventually going to get to this point, and I think we're at a good point. And by this point, meaning uh, talking about an end to specifically the declaration of a national emergency and public health emergency. And so I think that, you know, I agreed with a lot of what he said. I agree with kind of the position um, that the uh, new House is taking in regards to, hey, can we start to talk about what things look like in a in a new COVID world in terms of getting back um, to uh, some sort of, um, I guess you would say, routine and how we approach um, you know, illness, how we approach disease, and specifically how we're approaching SARS-CoV-2 virus and COVID-19. While it's been a couple of years of wrestling with this, one uh, can still ask, and one perhaps should still ask, as I will, whether or not uh, the move by the president yesterday is still too soon. You know, if we had a crystal ball, we would know the answer to that. <laughs> I think that the best that we can always do in science and in medicine is to make the best decisions with the current information that we have. And that includes tracking data, right, specifically 
what are we worried about as it relates to SARS-CoV-2? We're worried about hospitalizations. We're worried about deaths, in addition to, obviously, chronic illness that comes. Mm -hmm. But at some point, we have to understand that that's going to be a given. When are the numbers low enough to start approaching it differently? And I think that if we look at that, um, I, I don't think that it's too early. But again, hindsight is always twenty twenty. We'll know in six to nine months um, if we're kind of pulling this trigger a little bit too soon. In in that six to nine month period, if we discover uh, at the end of nine months that we pulled the trigger too soon, will the damage? Uh, obviously, you, when you're dead, you can't come back unless your name is Jesus. So, will the deaths and other damage uh, have been irreparable at that point? I, I I would say I hope not. Right? I mean, it's not that the end of the declaration. Um, I'm sorry. It's not that the declaration means that we are no longer concerned. Mm -hmm. um, what it means is that. It's no longer going to be a free pass in terms of covering everything financially. Um, and should I say we, meaning the government, meaning taxes, sure. covering everything financially as it relates to vaccines, treatments, testing, et cetera. At some point, that part has to come to an, to an end. Now, the part that they get to the heart of what you're saying, that, you know, if we really break this down, where does it, where does it affect? Well, you know, there was like an extra 20% reimbursement that was happening in regards to Medicaid as it relates to reimbursement uh, for COVID-19 related things. And mm -hmm. so hospitals will be losing money. And so that's never a good thing. And so how hospitals, the reduction in money that's being allocated to hospitals to deal with this, how that plays out in regards to morbidity and mortality for patients, that's the part that we'll see, you know, how much did this, um, this change and direction affect that. Yep. Um, you used the phrase a moment ago, uh, approaching things differently. Um, uh, what, is, what does that exactly mean at this point in terms of uh, this notion of approaching things differently? Well, so what we mean by that is specifically if you look at, let's say we talk about three aspects of provision of care, Medicare, okay. Medicaid, private insurance, um, and then uninsured. So I guess it will be four aspects. And then within those, all right, we're talking about medications surrounding COVID-19, treatments uh, surrounding COVID-19, which can include vaccines, right, testing, for COVID-19, those are the directions, those are the, all the things that are changing in regards to um, how it affects individuals on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's the new direction that we're, that we're talking about in regards to, you know, the ease with which someone was a, are able right now to get a COVID-19 test, the ease with which someone can get a vaccine, how does it affect those things? Mm -hmm. um, long COVID, those who are suffering from that, uh, what the president said yesterday, clearly has no impact, I suspect, you tell me, on what they're enduring. But uh, just say a word about those. Uh, never mind the president's uh, announcement yesterday that some met um, with glee. Uh, but uh, those who, again, suffering with long COVID are still suffering. So I would say that that's an area that both administrations failed to really understand and to develop a, a nice infrastructure to study, um, because that's going to be the next public health scare, or should I say, public health long-standing problem, which is the effects of long COVID. We need to understand it better. We need to understand why some people got it when some people did not. Um, and then we need to have, um, I would say, entire institutions dedicated to both identifying and treating them. So an end to this public declaration or this national emergency is going to curtail the ability for individuals and for institutions to apply for funds to do those very things. So I don't think we got a good enough hold of that. And I think that's going to be a problem that, you know, I do think we're going to continue to see for a while um, are the ramifications of COVID-19 and the lack of financial support 
to both study that and to treat that. Yep. Um, the part that scares me uh, to the extent that I'm scared at all is that, uh, and you've made this point any number of times on this program, and I can't say it as, as uh, eloquently as you can. I'll uh, put it in layman's terms and you can uh, make it sound much more beautiful in your response. But this notion of these variants, um, these variants are what metastasizing, these var- variants are morphing. You tell me what, what their appropriate language is. But I, all I know is every time I look up, there's a new variant. And no matter what the president said yesterday, he can't stop that from happening. How am I supposed to process that? Right. And so someone asked me about that, and they asked me about that in relation to, okay, these new variants, and how do these new variants play a role, and do we need to get yearly COVID vaccines? Should we require them, et cetera? And so we need to continue to follow and understand the new variants to understand how the virus is mutating. Um, but as I mentioned on numerous occasions in the past, it's not a problem um, until it becomes a problem. What I mean by that is just because we have a new variant doesn't mean it's more virulent, meaning more harmful, mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's necessarily more infectious, um, and it doesn't mean that your pre-existing immunity, either through vaccination, previous infection, or both, doesn't mean that that's going to be ineffective against these new variants. And so the great thing about SARS-CoV-2 is that it, it does not mutate nearly as fast as, say, the flu, the flu virus, mm-hmm. where you have to have a new vaccine every year because the last year's vaccine is completely useless against the new one. That's not the case for this. And so we will continue to monitor these variants, but the sky is not falling every time we see a new variant. And I haven't, I haven't done a talk on a new variant in quite some time because Quite frankly, our current level of um, immunity through infection or vaccination or both does quite well against these variants. I've got more questions uh, for Dr. Robert Drummond, given President Joe Biden's uh, announcement yesterday that he will end the COVID-19 national emergency and public health emergency come May 11th. More questions for our resident physician, Dr. Robert Drummond, when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. Back to Dr. Robert Drummond as we talk about the announcement by President Biden yesterday that he is uh, uh, upending uh, this uh, public health emergency uh, vis-a-vis COVID-19. And uh, as you heard Dr. Drummond say a moment ago, we now have to approach this in a different way. Um, You mentioned the flu a few moments earlier in this conversation, Dr. Drummond. Let me come back to that because the last time you were on, we were bracing for this triple-demic that we were told we were uh, going to be wrestling with during this particular season. The triple-demic, of course, flu, RSV, COVID-19. What can you tell me about what your research is suggesting to you about the way we are handling or not handling, as it were, the triple-demic that we are apparently in? Uh, yeah, so in regards to the triple-demic, you know, what I was seeing on the ground in the urgent cares is that the um, the rise and the increase in rates of individuals coming to hospital and medical facilities with respiratory issues was very rapid. It was a very sharp rise. Mm-hmm. And whenever we see that, very similar to how we saw the Omicron and how it took off a year ago, whenever we see a sharp rise, we know there's going to be a sharp fall. It's just a way that you know, viral dynamics usually go. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what we saw. And so I can tell you for, for us in the urgent care and the emergency rooms, we saw a big rush. It was a lot of influenza A, a lot of RSV, and even and definitely less proportional COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2 infections. Um, and then it dropped down. And so, yeah, we're still in the winter, but that's the reason you haven't heard the term triple-demic in a while is because whatever they were bracing for and, and, and worried about, it came and it went very, very fast from the perspective of it being a potential, you know, like emergency. It yeah. really was an emergency. It was just kind of a really fast 
and hard-hitting flu season um, that kind of, you know, dropped down, dropped back down pretty quickly. So you're right. We haven't heard the term triple-demic since they scared us with that some weeks ago. Uh, the other thing I have not heard of late are, are reports on COVID deaths. Uh, and my, my mind goes back to a policy change some years ago. Um, it was the case many, many years ago that whenever we were engaged in a war, uh, on the nightly news, um, those of a certain age uh, recall seeing body bags returning to Dover Air Force Base back east. Um, and they stopped doing that. It didn't mean that uh, and doesn't mean that in various excursions um, uh, around the globe that American military personnel are still not dying. Uh, right. you, just don't see it, you, you just don't see it on the nightly news anymore. And uh, these days we're not seeing nightly reports about COVID deaths. Uh, but I'm not naive. You can't tell me that people still aren't dying from COVID. Uh, I suspect and hope that the number of deaths are decreasing dramatically. But you tell me. Uh, so I, I'll say that there's a couple of ways that we can look at that in regards to how COVID deaths get portrayed in the news. Um, one, I'm always clear and I'm always um, weary of how news can affect things and how there are individuals that have you know, certain agendas when they when they relay some of that information. And mm-hmm. so my goal throughout the whole team has always been trying to make sure everyone just kind of follow the data, stay calm, the sky's not falling, and we continue to monitor. So from that perspective, from a death's perspective, are deaths still happening? Yes. But they're not happening at an alarm, alarming, outrageous rate the way that they did, I would say, a year ago when Omicron was here. Mm-hmm. When Omicron was here, it was really bad. And so now we're getting to the point where we're understanding that there are going to just be, there are just going to be people that are going to die from COVID the way that we have people that unfortunately die from influenza and other things. COVID's just going to have a higher, you know, I guess you would say not just a higher seasonal death rate, but it'll be higher because it's unlike influenza that comes and goes throughout, um, you know, each winter. This is just going to add a baseline. So we're at, we're at, or should I say, approaching back down. If you look at the data right now, we're back approaching down towards the baseline that happened um, prior to, I guess you would say, this triple-demic happened. We're, we're, we're dropping back down towards that baseline. But it's, that baseline is always going to be here, and it's going to probably be here year-round because at the end of the day, SARS-CoV-2 is a virus that causes inflammation. Some people are going to get sick regardless of their previous infection status vaccination status, et cetera, and some people are unfortunately going to pass away from it. Um, and that's just, that's the new reality that we just have to understand. It's just not going to change. Speaking of vaccines, when we come forward in our remaining moments with Dr. Robert Drummond, our resident physician, let's talk about boosters. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. It does now, indeed now. with Dr. Robert Drummond. So, Dr. Drummond, talk to me about boosters uh, in the uh, weeks, months, and years to come. Uh, never mind what President Biden said yesterday. My sense is, again, you're the expert, I'm not, that uh, none of this means that we got to just, uh, we're going to start abandoning these booster shots, are we? No, I don't think it means we're going to abandon, abandon the booster shots um, at all. Um, right now, I think there's a total of maybe 130 million Americans that I believe that have gotten um, a booster, mm-hmm. um, not maybe not necessarily the the bivalent booster. So bivalent booster, what we mean is the newest um, vaccine that is released from Pfizer and Moderna has um, both um, data to protect you against the original strain of SARS-CoV-2, and then um, another half of it is uh, basically offering protection against the original strain, then the other half is mRNA that protects you against 
you know, Omicron BA4 um, and 5. And so the idea is to see whether or not a how long do we need to go before we get a vaccine to help us against three things. And these are the these are the things that I, I will say that I'm glad we're having this so that I can try to drive this home. Mm-hmm. Why are we taking boosters? What what do they do? We are looking at the efficacy at preventing or reducing what we call symptomatic disease versus morbidity, mortality, meaning hospitalization and death. Mm-hmm. And so what I will say for those that have not gone out and jumped out and gotten the bivalent vaccine is that if you've been boosted, if you've had the infection, if you've had been vaccinated and all of the above, you still have very good protection against hospitalization and death. Um, what we see the bivalent booster does is it does give you a bit of a jump, you know, a bit of a, an extra, as you could call it. That's what it is. It's a boost mm-hmm. in protection against symptomatic disease, meaning if you come in contact with the virus, even if the virus takes hold, you won't have symptoms from it. But even that wanes after a few months. So when people ask me, do I need to get the vaccine or do I need to get the booster? Eh, I'm, a, I'm Need is a very strong word. Right. And I would say for many people, no. Right. But if they say, hey, doc, I'm taking my family on a trip. We want to travel. I don't want to get sick from COVID-19 when I'm traveling. Will the booster, will the bivalent booster help protect me against getting sick? from SARS-CoV-2 when I traveled, then the answer to that is yes. So those are two different questions, right. you know, need versus will it provide protection. And I, I hope we do a better job moving forward of talking to the people in a way that they don't feel like they're being forced to take something, they don't feel like they're being pressured to take something, but they're being given educated information about what the risk and benefits are, and then make let patients kind of make that decision for themselves. I'm a big proponent of that. As you have been all the way through, you've been consistent about that. I'm smiling uh, because uh, you've been consistent about making that point throughout all these conversations. In the 45 seconds I have left, left at a minimum at this point, um, what are you saying to your patients at a minimum that they should have put in their arm already? Uh, well, first, I will start off by saying I tell every last one of my patients they need to have uh, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, <laughs> elderberry, Echinacea. I've got that. I've got that. I want them taking multivitamins. That's more important. That's so important. Right. So I want them to do that. I want them to have a healthy diet and exercise. And then after that, I tell them at this point, over 95% of the population has had some form of um, immunity towards SARS-CoV-2 in America. They've either been vaccinated or they've had the infection. And so from that perspective, if they're older, I do want them to strongly consider getting a booster because just getting sick from the virus, even if they have existing immunity, could land them in the hospital if right. they're at older and have more morbidities. Um, and so that's what I try to get okay. them to understand. But the bigger thing is living healthy. Got it. I'll tell you. Dr. Robert Drummond, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, we'll talk again, and maybe next time it won't be about COVID-19, but we'll talk soon, my friend. All the best to you. Brother Smiley, thanks for having me. More of Tavis Smiley in a moment on KBLA Talk 1580.